You lay hands on the sick and they recover. We're taking ground for the kingdom. Every time you lead a lost person to Christ, we're taking ground for the kingdom. Amen. That's what Jesus wants us doing. He wants us engaging this culture and taking ground for the kingdom. That's what revival really is right there. Revival really is God's people becoming activated and taking ground for the kingdom. Amen. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us, you are the temple. Let me, let me go ahead. I better, I better just read that real quick. Because I don't want to foul anybody. At least give you on the notes. It's 1 Corinthians 3.16. But he actually says, you are the temple. We are literally to be the temple of God, physically walking amongst man. That's going to be my primary, my primary focus. I have so much going off on the inside of me that I'm trying to control it, honestly. Um, my evangelistic nature is just, I kind of just go, boom. I really, I really, I love Micah. And I'm known, by the way, I've known Micah at least since he was a kid. I wish that I could have Micah's calm, sweet demeanor. I don't. Um, I don't. I'm not wired that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those ones that I get up in the morning looking for a fight with the devil. I've often told people, I was like, there's two things I want to hear when I get to the end of my life. I want, to, I want to hear my Lord and Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant, and I want the devil to say, thank goodness he's gone. Because I'm one of those ones I get up in the morning looking for a fight. Like, all right, devil, where you at today? You looking for a rumble? All right. <laughs> if you've got your Bible handy, let's go to Exodus chapter 40, verse Let's go with verse 20. Let's go with verse 34 is where we'll start. Because Paul says, you are the temple. We understand that we're to be conformed in the image of Christ. It's going to be, it's going to be chapter 40, verse, 20, or verse 34. Now, to put some of this in historical context for you, the children of Israel have come out of slavery and bondage. They've made it to Sinai. Of course, they've gone through the Red Sea. All these incredible things have gone on. God gives Moses an image of heaven, a vision of heaven. He sees the Ark of the Covenant in heaven. He's given instructions to build this Ark of the Covenant and a tabernacle. Can I get a witness that Moses' tabernacle and Solomon's temple were just representations of what God already had in heaven? They were already there. He just showed those men what he had and said, I want that on earth because that's where I'm going to dwell. The Shekinah glory of God literally means his dwelling. Understand, God is omnipresent. You cannot put God in a house or in a box. Can I get an amen? You cannot. The Ark of the Covenant, what it was, was God's Shekinah glory, his dwelling glory. So Moses gets this vision of heaven. He sees the tent, or he sees the tabernacle of heaven. He sees the Ark of the Covenant. These things are commissioned to be built. The time has come that they're going to dedicate. Now, I want you to watch what happens here, because this is incredible. Verse 34, the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting, because of the cloud, 
because the cloud rested on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And the Israelites set out whenever, they, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle through all the stages of their journey. Otherwise, they follow it. What happened here, though, this omnipresent God, when Moses followed his instructions and built this tabernacle and this Ark of the Covenant, can I get a witness that he showed up in a different way? He showed up in a different way. God showed up in this cloud. And I love Brother Moses. Now, this is, this is Moses, right? This is the man that spent, he was on Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments are given. This is Moses. He knows God. Moses can't even walk in there. God's glory is so abundant and heavy. Moses can't even walk in there. Can you imagine that? I, I've, I, have you ever had that happen to anybody? I have had that happen um, years ago. Do any of you guys remember the Pensacola Revival? We were watching a, a live feed or a video, a cassette video of the Pensacola Revival. The glory entered the room where we were to the point where people were just on the floor and couldn't get up. You literally couldn't get up under the weight of the glory. It was an incredible, incredible thing. But the reason we're starting here in Exodus is when we get, when we get to the book of John, Jesus makes a profound statement there. And you're going to see what, where we're going with this. I want you to go, go to 2 Chronicles. I'm going to do some, I'm going to flip back and forth a little bit here. I'm going to start, I want you at Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. I want to flip back one page. Because we're flash forwarding in time now, and you have Solomon. David's son. David wanted to build this house for God. God didn't allow David. David was a man of war. Can I get an amen? David was a fighter. He was a warrior. Um, if you read David's story, David, was, David led a bloody life. He really did. But we have another incident here where God has given a man a vision. This is what I have in heaven. This is what I want on the earth. Amen. Don't you just love it when the pages of your Bible are all stuck together? You can't turn them? <laughs> there we go. See, I would love to do like some guys do where they preach completely from a phone. But I'm going to be honest with you, I lose my notes in there. That thing is like a black hole for notes. I got all these notes all lined up. And then I can never find one. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. So here we go in um, Chronicles. Listen, I want to start chapter, I'm going to read chapter 3, verse, let me see. I think I want to start in verse 13, part about half of it. The temple, the Lord's temple was filled with a cloud. And because of the cloud, the priests were not able to continue ministering for the glory of the Lord had filled the temple. All right, now we're going to go back over to Chronicles chapter 7, where I, was, where I was asking you to be. Does that look to you guys like exactly the same thing that happened to Moses' tabernacle? This is Solomon's temple, mind you. But it's the same event, right? It's the same event. Chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, fire descended from heaven 
consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests were not able to enter the Lord's temple because of the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. All the Israelites were watching when the fire descended and the glory of the Lord came on the, te on the temple. They bowed with their face to the ground on the pavement, and they worshiped and praised the Lord. For he is good, and for his faithfulness endures forever. This is the exact same <clears throat> incident as what happened to the tabernacle of Moses. We're going somewhere because remember what Paul says in Corinthians. You are the temple. I want, you, I want that seed to stay with you. And you remember that what Apostle Paul said, what Shaul said. By the way, I'm going to give you a little pet peeve of mine. Um, when Paul got saved, he didn't change his name to the English word Paul. His name was Shaul. His pharisaical title was Rob Shaul. In other words, it would be like if you had a doctorate and you were Dr. Connor. He dropped the pharisaical title from his name. His name was still Shaul. That's just a little nugget, a little divine rabbit trail for you. But Paul, Paul is saying, you are the temple. Now watch this. I'm not going to read it. I want you, I'm going to just give it as a reference for you, and I'm going to give some backstory for the sake of time. Ezra chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. Y'all write that down. You'll read it on your own. I'm going to give you a little backstory. So Israel has been in Babylonian captivity. They're coming out of captivity. Nehemiah, I'm sure, is everyone familiar with Nehemiah? Nehemiah gets permission to go back and rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem and the temple. If you, understand, you have to understand their culture and how important this temple was. Nehemiah has a special permission to rebuild these things. I'm going, to, I'm going to read verse 12 to you. I said, I want you guys to go back and reread this story in your own time. Just, it's going to bless you abundantly at God's goodness. But verse 12. But many of the older priests, Levites, and family heads who had seen the older former temple wept aloud while the younger shouted for joy. Now, I want you to get this picture in your mind. They've been in captivity they have been in captivity. They've come out of captivity. That alone would elicit joy. But the older men that had seen Solomon's temple, they wept. They wept. Something about this temple was different from the previous temple. The young men didn't know any better. Many of them were probably born in Babylon. They shouted and cheered. This is the temple you told us about, but the, the olders, older people, they wept. You know what happened? And going into Babylonian captivity, according to the book of Maccabees and some other rabbinical sources, the prophet Jeremiah took the, took the Ark of the Covenant and hid it. What we do know is there was a list of treasures stolen from Jerusalem and taken to Babylon. The Ark of the Covenant was never mentioned. Whatever happened to the Ark of the Covenant, this is the last physical sighting of the Ark of the Covenant on planet Earth. The physical golden chest with the cherubim on it was right before the Babylonian captivity. Again, rabbinical tradition says that the prophet Jeremiah hid it. I don't know that. I wasn't there. 
What we do know is it was not in the inventory of Babylon. It was never seen again. So with this new temple, why are they, why are the old men weeping? There's something missing. You know what's missing? The glory, the Shekinah glory, the dwelling glory of God. That temple, as beautiful as it was, it didn't have that. Can I get an amen? That's what they're missing. The young men don't know. They, don't, they, they didn't see the old one. But there's all these older guys going, man, there's something just different. There's something not right. The Shekinah glory was gone. It was missing. I know I'm going through this fast, and I want you, because there's, there's so much, so much scripture with this that I would bog you down. But I really want you to read a lot of this on your own time because it's a fascinating study. Building up to the new covenant. We flash forward again. King Herod is rebuilding the temple. It takes 46 years to build this temple. But can I get a witness? The Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory of God is not there. But there's an event fixing to happen in Bethlehem that's going to stand everything on its head because the Shekinah glory of God won't be housed in a building anymore. It's going to be housed in a man. Jesus Christ God made flesh, the dwelling place of the Shekinah glory. It's fixing to walk and dwell with men. And while these people were trying to rebuild the temple, they're trying to look for that former glory. They're looking for it. Why do you think they're building the temple? They're looking for it. There's a baby being born in Bethlehem. Can I get an amen? And Jesus... I think sometimes we, by we, I mean all of us, we like to kind of get into this Gnosticism of this mysticalism of Jesus. And one of the things that I love about this story of Jesus is, folks, there was nothing clean and pretty about where Jesus was born. He was literally born in a state. Can I get an amen? There was nothing clean and pretty about it. Jesus was born into a very ugly world of Roman occupation. The Romans were people that were not only cruel, they were proud to be cruel. They, they thought torture and death were games to them. This is the world that Jesus was born into. You think we have it bad now, and yes, there's a lot of darkness. This is the world Jesus was born into. You think Jesus' world didn't have plagues? They had leprosy and other diseases that terrified them. This is the world that your Messiah was born into. This is the world that your Messiah walked amongst and he stood a world right side up. Can I get an amen? Lord, may your fire burn in us. That's what he did. So we get to John. John chapter 2, verse 19. And Jesus makes a profound statement. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And in verse 20, they said, they, they said, the Jews said, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building and without raise it, uh, rear it up in three days. But Jesus spoke of the temple of his body. Hallelujah. Jesus, walking amongst the men, the dwelling place of the Shekinah glory of God. This weighty, heavy glory. And Jesus changed lives everywhere he went. Amen. Even in this dark culture, 
everywhere he went. I love to say this about Jesus and Paul later on. Two things happened everywhere they went, revival or riot. One of the two was going to happen. And I promise you, when you get, when we dwell in this kind of glory of God, it's going to be one of two things everywhere you go, revival or riot. People are going to be drawn to you or they're going to be repulsed by you. It's one of the two. There's no, when you're lukewarm, everybody likes you. And when you're this on fire for God, you're going to do one of two things. Because there is no medium ground there. Can I get a witness? You're either drawn or you're pushed away. One of the two. I feel like the church has spent entirely too much time trying to be politically correct. I don't care about being politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. That's what I care about. If my God says it's wrong, it's wrong. If my God says it's right, it's right. I don't care who else doesn't like that. The world's opinion of me doesn't define me. It's what my God says. It's what your God says. When you're preaching the gospel and you're leading people to Christ, you have to understand there's only one way to God. One way. The world doesn't like that. The cross is an offense for them. But it's the truth. It's like, look, I know I may not be as touchy-feely as you like, but listen, I don't want you to die and go to a devil's hell. It wasn't created for you. It was created for Lucifer and his angels. I don't want you to go there. Amen. And regardless of what the church today tries to tell you, it's real. I would suggest you not go there. <clears throat> Little divine rabbit trail again. This is what happens when you give ADD guys microphones, right? <laughs> Connor's so much better at staying on task than I am. My point is where we're at. They've built two temples now, under Nehemiah and later under Herod, and they're looking for that glory. And what I was telling you is the glory came. The Shekinah glory of God came, and it came in a man. And he stood a culture just as bad as ours, minus Facebook, but just as bad as ours, he stood it on when they didn't have CNN either. Speaking of things you should avoid, man. You know, drugs, fornication, CNN, eh, things to stay away from. Jesus stood a culture the right side up. He changed that pagan culture. He changed the world with the divine Shekinah glory of God dwelling on the inside of him. And it's easy to look at that and go, well, he was Jesus. I want you to think, Jesus was doing this as a man. Jesus came as a man on purpose to show you and I what the, how the prototype son is to live. Jesus was saying, this is what I expect of you. He didn't ask us to sit in a church and hide our light in here and it never go anywhere else. I have people all the time as I travel and I speak, people go, brother, what's God's will for me? As far as occupations, I can't tell you that. Who to marry? I can't tell you that. You know what I can tell you, though? His will for you is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. If you're a student, be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. If you're a business owner, if you're a school teacher, if you're retired, I don't care what your occupation is, you're to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, reflecting his glory into this generation. 
If you're standing in a pulpit ministry, you're to be conforming the image of Jesus Christ, reflecting his image into this, his glory into this culture. Can I get an amen that we need some men of God standing in a pulpit filled with the Holy Ghost and preaching and reflecting the glory of God? Amen. We need politicians. Hallelujah. We need politicians filled with the glory of God and reflecting that glory into this culture. We need politicians that will look you in the eye and go, truth is still a truth, is still the truth, and lies always bring bondage. This is right, this is wrong. Amen. We, I, want, I long for the day that we have a politician look us in the eye and go, I know it's not popular, but this is right and this is wrong. Amen. That's what God expects out of us. I don't care what your occupation is. What I care about is that you're, confront, you're, you're reflecting the glory of Jesus Christ into that occupation. That's what we're to be doing. This is why Paul says we are the temple. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 2, because we're fixing to see something incredibly profound. Because I want you to be thinking about the other instances of Moses' tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, I want you to be thinking about Mo the Temple of Solomon and watch this. Because I hope this lights you up like it did me. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying, and, the, and tongues like flames of fire that were invited appeared on them and rested on each of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different languages as God gave them the utterance. This mighty rushing wind, cloven tongues of fire, does it sound like anything else that we just read? Folks, look at me, look at me, pay close attention. It's the same thing. It's the same. This was Jesus right here. After this, it's just the Holy Spirit coming and saying, this is my people, this is my church, and now this is my dwelling place of my Shekinah glory. It's me, it's you. We are the dwelling place of the Shekinah glory of God himself. You are the temple. I am the temple. We corporately are the temple. It's the same as what happened to Solomon. I've been in some... Pentecostal circles where they keep praying for Pentecost to come again. It's like, it's already came. It's already happened. Now we can freely receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? But this is this. Remember. <clears throat> Got to get dignified a little bit now. Um, this is who you and I are. This is why when we're not living to the fullness God called us to, there's something off. Can I get it? Have you ever been complacent in your life? I have been. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I get comfortable, I get complacent, and I can feel something's not right. I'm going to tell you what, it's this fire shut up in your bones that's trying to come out. It's that gospel burning like an inferno on the inside of you. Amen. That's what God is wanting from you and I in this dark hour. Is He's wanting that. He's wanting his Shekinah glory to be resting upon us and in us. And he wants us affecting and changing a culture. He doesn't want us hiding. 
He wants us affecting lives. I don't think I'm out of time yet. I can tell y'all some. I'll tell you something. Last last year, I was speaking at a, a little small Baptist church, and um, I don't know when the last time. And actually, I'm gonna be honest. I actually told when they they asked me to come. I was like, you know, I'm not Baptist, right? Just just be, make sure we're on the same page. Because I'm one of those ones, if God tells me to lay hands on the sick, I'm going to lay hands on the sick, and I really don't care who I make mad. You should probably know that about me going into it. Um, it's just who I am. So I don't know when the last time they had this happen, but in the, in the middle of my sermon, a lady comes walking in off the street, and she's obviously a very, very severe addict. She's got the needle track marks on her. She's a very bad addict. And she starts to wail and sob and cry right in the middle of my sermon. She ends up in the altar giving her life to Jesus. I give her my Bible. She doesn't have a Bible, so I give her my Bible. And all these people are going, But that's what I want. See, that's what I want. I want the glory of God to be affecting this culture. You see... We're, we're looking for man-made ways to break the chains of addiction, and I'm going to tell you right now, there's one way to break the chain of addiction. It's Jesus Christ. Nothing makes me matter when I hear someone say, once you're an addict, you're always an addict. No, I'm a new creation in Christ. And I can tell you this, that as bad of an alcoholic as I was when I was younger, and I was bad, when Jesus set me on fire, I laid a bottle down, I never picked it up again. And I never will. I'm telling you, what this culture needs is him. They don't, need to know, they don't need to know my philosophy and my theology. They don't need to know Connor's theology. They don't need to know your theology. What they need to know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And let him working through us, that Shekinah glory, let that affect this culture around us. I'm tired of watching people lose their lives to diseases that we have the authority to curse. I'm tired of watching marriages break up. I'm tired of this generation of just filth, this pornography, and these things are running rampant. I'm tired of the culture, this church, not confronting these things with the glory of God. Draw a line in the sand and say, devil, you will not come any further. I'm done. Not only will you not come any further, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to begin to retake kingdom territory. Amen. That's what God wants from us. That's what he desires for. That's why when you're in that place of complacency, you know you're not living, you know you're not doing everything you're supposed to, that's why you feel that down in here and you can't explain it, but it's burning like a fire. Because it is a fire. Your God's a consuming fire. And he, deserves, he desires to burn up this stuff. This satanic garbage going on. I uh, was recently at another location teaching, and we were talking about some of the issues going on. And, um, and I, I said, this culture, this racism, all of these things, there's a solution for that, and that's Jesus Christ. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. That puts an end to this racial issue. 
once and for all. Amen. We don't have to succumb and submit to this culture. We were a counterculture, not a subculture. Unfortunately, the church has become a subculture. We're to be a counterculture. Do you know why the early church was so persecuted? Because I can witness they were a counterculture. They affected lives all around them. Paul affected lives. Peter affected lives. I love Peter. I look forward to meeting Peter in heaven one day. Peter was kind of like me. We both have this tendency to put our foot in our mouth. Kind of a little bit of a smart aleck. Um, but these guys were affecting a culture. Amen. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for us corporately. Because I'm telling you, a body of believers this size, that in oneness of spirit and heart begin to reflect the glory of God, we will affect and change a culture. And there's this funny thing about Rebecca about the fire of God. It doesn't just hit one place and burn. It hits and it spreads. Is it too much to ask that we change Boswell this week and Hugo the next in Choctaw County, then we move on to the state of Oklahoma, the United States, and the rest of this world? Let's stand this world on its head for Jesus. Amen. That's what his will is for us in this, this hour. I love what Connor taught the other day because it's going to come at a price. It will. Listen, not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone likes Jesus. Can I get an amen? I mean, they put a crown of thorns on his head and nailed him to a cross. Not everyone liked your Messiah. All but one of the disciples was martyred. Not everyone is going to like you. That's okay. What we need is this eternal goal. The only thing I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't, we don't need the approval of man. See, that's the problem. We're looking horizontally to man for our approval instead of vertically to our God for our approval. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm sorry if I come off a bit rough, but I'm just kind of high strung. But listen, this is what your Father's heart is for us is that we be made into the image of Jesus Christ and we reflect his glory, that we truly be that temple that reflected glory through that culture. He wants us to be that, reflecting glory. When you walk into Walmart, you should be reflecting glory. Some of the biggest miracles I've ever seen didn't even happen in a church. I've had seen people miraculously healed in gas station parking lots and crazy places like that. Everywhere you go, you should be reflecting the glory. And you can't help but change a culture. I'm getting ready to finish up. I'm feeling led to do this. I don't even know who you are. There is somebody in here that's been having a lot of heart trouble, like fear of heart attacks and strokes. And Are you in here? Hallelujah. Sister, God is telling me right now, you are healed. Do not let the enemy lie to you. He's a liar. Your body is the property of the Lord Jesus Christ, not the devil. The devil has no claim over your body. You're a young mother, and you are going to see your children grown, and you're going to know your grandchildren in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. The only one looking to me.
You've heard me speak this morning about Jesus. You've heard me speak about this God that loves you, this God that has a mission for you, this God that has a job for you. I'm not going to tarry long. Most of you are home folk. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, slip your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Just slip your hand up. Everyone in here is uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's awesome. The next one here is going to be really personal because I'm going to raise my hand too. How many of you can look at me this morning and say, Brother, what you said struck a nerve in me. I know, I know I need to be doing more to reflect this glory of God, but I've been complacent. I've been lethargic. I have been. We've gotten comfortable. I want to pray for all of us as a body, but if that's you now, just raise your hand. Almost all of us. Almost all of us. Father God, I join my heart to the heart of my brothers and sisters. And Father, we repent. Father, we apologize for being lukewarm. Father, we apologize and we repent for being lackadaisical in your kingdom. Father, and I pray that right now, us individually and us as a corporate body, Father, I pray that you light our hearts on fire. Father, I pray that, I pray that your fire burn within us, Lord, and that it burns so bright that we change the world around us. Father, I pray that your fire burn so hot that just like the fires that Burn the ropes off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I pray that your fire burn the things that are holding us hostage in bondage, Father. Father, and I pray that each and every one of us in here, Father, I pray that you bring ministry opportunity across our path. I pray that you bring us the sick, the hurting, the addicted, Father. Father, I pray that we stand this town and this culture on its head. Father, I pray that you start a fire here that we can't contain, that it's spread out from here and it go to every other community. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' most holy, wonderful name, amen. Sister Lisa is going to have prayer ministers at both sides of the stage. If you have a need in your life, if there is something holding you back, it's holding you back from being what you know you should be in the kingdom. Come get prayer. If you have a physical malady that's been holding you hostage and bondage, and you in your heart of hearts, you know, God didn't create me to live like this. I want this gone. Come up here and get prayer. If you do have an addiction that's holding you hostage and bondage, come up here and get prayer. Just break those things off of you. Sure, God created you to live in freedom. Freedom physically, freedom mentally. He created you for freedom, not bondage. Hallelujah. You're a good God, Father, and we thank you for your work. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts as a people. 
Father, and I thank you that your revival fires are starting to burn this morning. we give it up for God. We serve a big God. We serve a good God. We serve a good God. Wow. And I dismiss, dismiss you. I want you to know I, I appreciate you guys coming this morning. Um, it's always good to be with home folk and family. Amen. I love you guys. Be blessed.